Hello, uh, welcome back to the Fusion and Plasma podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kitt, and I'm with my esteemed colleague and friend, Julia. And today we have a surprise. Yes, we are more than excited to introduce to our listeners uh, Relyon Plasma GmbH, which is a Germany-based firm from Regensburg, specialized in development of innovative um, plasma devices and systems for a wide range of different industries, such as automotive or medical industry. And we have a special guest today, as CEO of Relyon Plasma, uh, Dr. Stefan Nettesheim. Um, Stefan, thank you very much for joining us um, in this episode of Fusion and Plasma podcast. Uh, so we just can't wait to get more insights um, on plasma devices, both from business and science perspective. So uh, Stefan, how are you feeling today um, about our interview? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited uh, to, to answer some of your questions, uh, I hope. And it's the first time that I am uh, using this format. So thank you very much for inviting me. So it will be kind of a first time session. And I think, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's good to partly improvise and, and partly focus on the message that I can give. And I hope I can give some answers that are also interesting uh, to the listeners. Yeah, it's, it's the first time for us as well uh, with inviting a guest to our podcast. So yeah, uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your background and how did you end up in your uh, current field, in, this, in your current role at Raleon? Yeah, I have um, studied physics um, in uh, Berlin um in the 90s <laughs> so uh, it's rather long ago and i had a, a big chance of uh, doing my um, promotion and uh, my uh, phd work at the fritz haber institute of the max planck gesellschaft in berlin it was a really innovative um, uh, uh, institute and we had a, a lot a very good budget there to do research and we had a boss that gave us a huge freedom to do research uh, and all, especially to the young scientists. And uh, I was working uh, in surface um, catalysis and surface physics in the group of Gerhard Ertel. Uh, and uh, I, it was a really nice time. And at that time I was really thrilled about uh, all the things that happen at the interface between the gas phase and the solid interface and how complex all these interactions are and uh, uh, so when then later on I, I came into contact with plasma chemistry and physics I saw again that these interactions with totally different surfaces technical or medical surface biology it's again something that has to do with the interface and it's very difficult to understand but you can have nice observation and a lot of science but also practical application on that so so that is a little bit of the background from the scientific point of view yeah so i, I i'm also i think it's quite fascinating that you come from the approach of it just being interesting like uh, it's so complex and and through its complexity that maybe it's something that you want to pursue in some sense uh, I have to admit, at that time, it was not the plan at all. 
So, so <laughs> I, I w when I did my work there in the institute, uh, I did not know where I would end up uh, in application. I didn't even know whether I would stay in science uh, mm. and academic work or if I would join the industry. And uh, I was quite open-minded um, about where I would be. And uh, life, I think, is more complicated than having a plan right. uh, <laughs> at the very beginning. And so um, it was not the plan to join uh, industry and it was not the plan to, to end up with, uh, with plasma or even doing something else. So, right, um, right. so, so how did you end up uh, developing Rely On? It, it is like, it's, the, it's like a, a long story, but I will make it quite short, I think. Uh, so I have been working for bigger companies for, of course, I have started to doing a postdoc in a different field um, uh, in, in, in science, chemistry uh, uh, and, and laser uh, um, science. Uh, but at that time, it was quite difficult to, to get a well-funded uh, perspective uh, in the academic environment. And so I decided to uh, look more uh, towards uh, industry. And uh, yeah, I, I was doing like more or less engineering job with some physics, some electrical engineering uh, for um, bigger um, uh, industrial companies inside of automotive and also packaging industries. And uh, I was always bringing inside of that the uh, more exotic ideas on what could be innovated there. So the innovation part of it was always a, a part that, that I thought was really interesting. Mm. And I've also um, uh, worked for smaller companies, startups, and also I have done several startups and so I have a, developed a certain feeling what it means to develop new ideas um, and it's a totally different approach if you are in a bigger company then you need to be have a good feeling what your backup is so if mm. your colleagues and the other players inside of this uh, structure uh, are willing to promote this and to support this uh, budget will not be the basic uh, problem uh, on the other hand in the startups everybody is very open-minded and is willing to innovate but uh, mm -hmm. budget is the problem so yeah. i've seen right. both sides and uh, I, I think uh, 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 you're not always successful in doing these things and uh, uh, sometimes you're too early <laughs> so then yeah, it's very difficult to make it happen. Sometimes you're too late and mm -hmm. finding the right time and then the right funding and right, right backup. That's uh, mm -hmm. also, you have to be lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's not something that you can really plan. True, yeah. So, so I like rely on is, uh, it was a smaller company from Rheinhausen or as a split off or something. It has been a, a Rheinhausen group venture. Mm. Uh, and that was, I think, a big opportunity and a, a chance that, that not so many people have. Mm. Uh, so um, it is a medium size, um, very innovative and uh, financially very stable, uh, typical German company that is like a hidden champion in their field. And uh, the idea of the fo former management was we have to start something new and we have uh, the means to do that 
we have the financial backing, we have uh, the engineers. And so they started to do something new without really knowing at the very beginning where they would be going. Um, uh, they have been choosing um, plasma surface uh, treatment in industry, especially dedicated to photovoltaics and also um, uh, um, microelectronics and coding. Right. Uh, but then they were struggling up, up with the market entrance and so they were deciding at a given point that maybe it would be better that if this company could be yeah, separated from the core business uh, of the Rheinhausen Group to act mm. as a plasma, a real plasma player on the market. And so I was given the chance uh, together with Klaus Forster uh, to organize a management buyout of, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, at a given uh, uh, um, point in time where already we had working products a customer base and a business that that was there and uh, so we of course we had to struggle in reorganizing things and uh, we had to fight for customers and uh, had to look at the financial figures uh, almost every day but uh, we had a, a strong base already and yeah. uh, then we focused first on industry because that was where we are coming from and, and that was really the financial base and mm. where from where we can uh, had the opportunity to develop new fields and that's what we did in the last years so was it kind of at the beginning like how do i um or how, how do was the first goal to make like a product for industry and then from there innovate we we, we already were uh, had a, a very good um, customers in industry conventional industry customers in automotive which is very strong in Bavaria as you know so many customers here but also in Scandinavia packaging industry so we had already uh, uh, um, our books of incoming orders and uh, so it was not like jumping into cold water and and, and yeah. learning to swim at the same time uh, so and that was of course something that gave us a, a very huge push in the beginning mm. uh, so you, you basically use the synergy effects of course mm. and uh, again plasma is something where you have to control an interaction between the gas phase and the surface and of course in the industrial environment it's about uh, fine cleaning of surfaces uh, of um, optimizing adhesion of uh, having new coatings with new functions. And, and that is where we came from, from the engineering point of view. And our business model is to sell hardware that we sell to our industries for production. So that, that was the basic business or is still a part of our basic business. Right, so going from, you know, packaging and automotive industry, um, how did it end up uh, that uh, Reliant is now making devices for the medical field. And uh, what, what do you think has led to this kind of surge in plasma applications in the medical field? I, I think uh, we did it step by step. So um, if you have a given bandwidth of different plasma sources, and maybe we'll talk about uh, those different aspects later, 
you, you will have other companies that have to solve a problem that can be more or less the, the old business field industry, industrial surface treatment, but it can go already into some medical or biological applic uh, uh, application like food treatment or sterility in uh, uh, packaging industries. And so you're uh, working on topics where you think, wow, it gets biological, it gets um, food processing, it gets um, maybe if uh, you are talking about uh, dental um, implant materials or dentist's materials and bonding, you have the same processes that you have in industry, but with higher grade materials, with uh, very delicate uh, um, small object like in dentistry and uh, but you see that these problems are quite similar and then you try yeah. to solve that with uh, your given know-how and then you will start to adapt your hardware to solve that problem in a better way and that is a little bit the push that we have been giving by external input yeah that's that's a little bit right. the motivation yeah. no that, that seems very logical i mean when when looking at kind of the list of different devices that uh, rely on has and also just mainly what is seeing how plasma is being applied to different fields it's generally the same principles just applied on you know either a micro scale or macro scale um, so it's it seems quite logical to make these steps and uh, and get external feedback from like were you asking or getting input from uh, people in the medical field or people from different fields what they would like to see or what they the requirements that they need or um, how, how did you uh, get external feedback what did that look like the one one of the advantages was also um, uh, the cooperation that we had at that that time with uh, tdk already uh, that we uh, have uh, a quite uh, nicely uh, uh, cooperation also on the material science of div uh, of developing the different ceramic interfaces and materials from scratch like the piezoelectric driving uh, plasma jet the little one and mm -hmm. of course that that if you present something like that you get quickly into contact with uh, some companies in the medical uh, uh, field or dentistry sure. and and then if you have such a device, a handheld device, small devices or also uh, desktop devices and you can provide to those companies already something that has been approved in industry, although it's not uh, certified for medical purpose, they can start to work in the lab and then you get that creative feed feedback on how you should modify that device to make it uh, uh, um, suitable for new purposes and and that that is already a very good aspect where mm. we were quite ready to do that mm. uh, i have to admit to really understand the um, requirements of these new applications it was it was uh, it's a steady uh, learning phase and i think in the medical field we are far from really knowing yeah. <laughs> all the aspects <laughs> and uh, 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 yeah, it's a it's a, a more complicated situation there, and uh, it takes a longer time. Yeah, sure. Certification is a big topic for for medical industry, right? Yeah. Right, and I was wondering, like, so the companies would take the pizza brush, for example, like medical, and they would take lab tests, but. Um, 
would you have to make any special changes so that it could move to doing actual clinical trials or um, how does it work to get approval for, because I assume Reliant doesn't actually do the clinical tests themselves, but uh, clients may do it so that, yeah, how does this work? And actually, you're totally right. We don't have at the moment any product that has a medical uh, improvement. Uh, so uh, nothing is really used to that can be used from our products for that purpose. Uh, and it's not even our goal to be on that market as a brand, but mm. we rather supply a hardware platform to other companies to co-develop uh, some new concept with us. Um, mm. Uh, so it, it, it will be branded and marketed and also approved by partnering companies with us that are already having their sales uh, infrastructure and contact into this field. So that, that is an approach. So because we, we won't be the, the, the brand that is working in this domain and, and we are not like uh, being a distributor for that only. So we are the hardware manufacturer of the components. Mm -hmm. uh, we have some know-how to share. Uh, and and that, that is the maybe the basic difference between us and some other companies. So we supply the, the, the hardware. And um, of course, we are doing um, studies to learn more about our process. That's also where we have some cooperation with institutes, universities, clinical groups, and we do that on the base, of course, of our hardware. Wow. Okay. So, like, what what does uh, before you ship it to these different uh, um, groups, so that when they do clinical tests, um, how do product tests for you look like? Is it just from a hardware perspective? Like, is it working properly? I think at the very beginning, you, you, you need an educated guess. And uh, you have also some like recipes on how you can check for that. And uh, yeah. I think uh, you, you, you are quite aware that uh, at the beginning, you have to check for quite uh, uh, simple things from the physical backgrounds, like power density, temperature, uh, electrical patient currents and these things and uh, for, for these I think you have physical requirements that have to be clarified beforehand and that can be done without a huge knowledge in uh, medical uh, science. Uh, yeah. It's uh, just like uh, using the Dean Spec 91315 as a guideline on looking at if your product is in the, in the right range to do these things. Right. And, and so you, you, you check for all these things like temperature, gas composition, UV emission um, mm. and, and uh, uh, temperatures, power densities and yeah. the basic principle. And if you are quite sure that you are within a reasonable range, then you, you, you can give uh, without a very high risk uh, mm. these, uh, these type of equipment to uh, expert groups that are already working maybe with some uh, in vitro models, uh, maybe on skin models, maybe with animal models. So, so, so then you're on the right track to start this development. Mm -hmm. And then I think there is a ne next step uh, and that is very important. 
even if you think that you have the right platform, you have um, to have an expert team and you have to have a very clear vision on which intended purpose you have. So do you want to go on skin treatment and what do you want to treat on the skin? (laughs) And if you have done this definition, then you need to really get some uh, experts uh, from the scientific uh, background in this field uh, to guide these studies, but also from the very practical medical background or dentistry background that uh, uh, are yes, collecting some uh, requirements that they need. Uh, how much time can I use to do the treatment? Can I use it with one hand? Has it to be uh, sterilized? And how uh, have I a hand free to push a knob or not? Uh, yeah. And has it to be automatic uh, desktop device? Or uh, mm-hmm. so, so all these things have to be clarified to then do the start the development of components and devices. Um, then it can still take a long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sounds like with each new application, I mean, it could vary between each office for medical devices. So it seems that the requirements are constantly being updated, uh, which sounds, sounds complex in the business world <laughs> to keep to maintain that. Um, but um, what, what kind of role do you think that these kind of devices will play in the future? You know, like with the requirements changing each, uh, with each different application. I mean, do you see, um, what do you see in the future uh, for our, our planet? Like what, what role do you think plasma devices will play? So, so I'm, I'm quite convinced since um, there are so many different plasma sources and we have so many application fields, um, it will be very broad and there will be a lot of space for many companies to optimizing their device and principle to different field of application in dentistry and uh, medical environment uh, or biology and but i think that uh, maybe one of the points that we are looking at in the moment is that uh, it will not all, always be a plasma treatment device uh, that you will immediately see but it will be like plasma system that will be embedded into medical systems uh, to do like internal sterilization internal cleaning processes and that will be just being integrated in such devices as uh, dental chairs uh, hemodialysis equipment fluidic systems and so on so not everything will be visible at the first glance that, that I think will be a quite a huge market um, because uh, all these hygienic and uh, sterility problems, I think we uh, are, I think, more uh, aware that that is a huge problem there and that we have to face that. Uh, that is, I think, one development that we will see uh, and we won't feel that as a patient, but it mm-hmm. will make medical equipment safer. Um, and the other thing that I think we will see quite early is um, uh, the whole range of uh, from medical uh, to uh, also dental exterior treatment and therapies that are acting at the interface to the human body, especially the skin. Uh, and it will be 
grayscale like uh, a variable t that that will uh, uh, also go into the cosmetic range of uh, doing a lot of things <laughs> uh, yeah so both embedded and also external applications yes um, but the the range will be quite large as of time course um, from the point of view of technology i think for all these external skin treatment uh, devices i see really dielectric barrier discharges uh, at a, a given regime uh, I, I see that that is uh, uh, the field where we will see most of the products followed by microjets um, so these are the, the two things where also we find already quite a large field of different studies although most of the studies are from the point of view of statistic still not really in the range where they should be but of the clinical tests or studies that you've seen that use the pco brush or other rely on uh, products like do you have any favorites that you've you've seen any clinical trials or in the medical field from from the point of view um, of um, the, the treatment um, of um, diseases that are uh, statistically really relevant i think uh, really the um, uh, nail fungus treatment could be one thing that that is uh, very attractive because uh, it is uh, something that is quite annoying and uh, it is not easy to treat with conventional means and uh, if uh, you have the chance to have a quite a simple device that you can use maybe two times a day can already yield a result that can be very good compared to other chemical or, or uh, antibiotic treatments there or total removal of your nail and uh, so there we see really a huge progress and a relief of really pain to the patient uh, uh, with quite simple uh, hardware and, and that yeah, is maybe yeah interesting field where I think there, there will be good solutions on the market. Yeah, this is something that was quite exciting for us to, as, as we read more about uh, uh, the role of plasma in medicine is learning that a lot of the medical devices are, have very mechanical systems and plasma offers that aspect of sometimes pain-free uh, application and, and so that's, yeah, <laughs> I think something that kind of drives maybe, do you think that's something that could drive the industry also uh, as being a replacement for some of these other medical devices? Yeah, I think because um, uh, if you, if you t think about the dosage that you really need, so if we are talking about a mild treatment using a low current and low power density discharge towards your body, it's not about uh, having a very aggressive chemistry and high concentration and a high dosage, but it's rather like um, inducing some body reactions that can mm. be favorable. So uh, what we can see that using this uh, mild plasma treatment on your skin, you have a higher oxygen saturation close to the surface. So you attract and you motivate and stimulate your body of of doing something locally and uh, so you have a, uh, a microcirculation and oxygen saturation stimulus locally you can change the superficial pH value so you can mm. get a little bit more acidic um, you can 
uh, have humidity effects due to force diffusion because you have present electric fields and, and that can just pump like liquid through the region where you have your inflammation or your external attack. I think uh, cell signaling is now something that is discussed uh, a lot. So it's another uh, cellular reaction mechanism to this kind of stress that is uh, acting locally and will involve more cells to mm -hmm. proliferate, maybe also an immune response uh, locally. And of course, then you have uh, the oxidative effect that will uh, especially act with the oxygen species and uh, the oxygen radicals and ozone locally and uh, kill some uh, spores quite selectively on uh, the surface. And that will be uh, an effect that um, after treatment uh, is not remanent. It will go away. So it will be mm. different from any kind of uh, antibiotic that you add to the body or yeah but the, something I was kind of interested in was that like okay you have this problem with antibiotics that um, they you know over time the bacteria uh, develops an immunity to it and you have to constantly be ad advancing your antibiotics and would would it not be possible that certain fungi and bacteria also develop some uh, immunity to the uh, plasma if you're really honest, they, they will do. So yeah. any microorganism will try to find a way to cope with some bad environmental, environmental conditions. Yeah. Actually, we have also some spores like radiodurans or uh, we have uh, different germs that have even survived uh, the, 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 um, the journey on uh, some missiles that uh, yeah. have penetrated deep space and came back so they can they can survive that and also a lot of spores they have shielding mechanism and buffering mechanism to withstand also this chemical attack from uh, uh, the external shell so they will mm -hmm. be very very hard guys to remove them with plasma and that's what we actually have to prove always if we're talking about sterilization then we have really to work on the on the bad guys like mm -hmm. uh, uh, different spores um, like thermophilos where we have to kill them all uh, and 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 uh, at a high log range of mm -hmm. uh, order six magnitudes um, but if you're talking about um, uh, a very um, uh, small microorganisms that are affecting our body on a quick uh, way and that are multiplying quite fast um, at the very beginning since they are very small they are more sensitive to a surface attack than your yeah. skin cells and so that's a kind of selection so a small thing that is only maybe 100 nanometers in diameter it <laughs> will suffer from something that is aggressive to the surface you have to know that once like also in a wound you have the formation of a biofilm and the bacteria that have developed there start to interact they will also have signaling and they will also react and they will start to buffer away also a chemical attack so it depends always when you start to do that and but one rule of thumb that is uh, always uh, valid is if you want to kill superficial microorganism you have uh, to give them a huge diffusion pressure with oxidative species for mm. a short time 
but at the maximum concentration. Mm. Uh, and if you have a high concentration for a short time, it will not diffuse deeply into the human body. Mm. So it will be like surface selective. And, and mm. that is one of the key that you, you, you can realize or you can achieve using a plasma device as having a very tough, hard burst on the surface and without having a high dosage of these uh, oxidative species to your body. Right. And you mentioned this word dosage. And I remember we had some conflicting. Uh, I read a few different articles that give different uh, um, quantifications for dosage. So how would you define like a dosage in this sense? Yeah, this on, 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 on the first um, very simple uh, answer, if you look at the Dinspec, you have still to divide that into different uh, uh, working channels that you already know. So I think the, the most simplistic model is to look at the thermal energy input, uh, the power density. The power density applied to the, the skin, let's say, or the region, the, the biological target. You have to look at the um, light spectrum that is emitted depending yeah. on the different sources, especially in the range between 200 and 300 nanometers where you can have some um, uh, um, splitting and photo dissociation mechanism on the cellular level and on the molecular level. Then you have to look at um, uh, the um, active um, species uh, on the oxygen side, including ozone. Mm. And then you have to look at uh, the present uh, nitrogen uh, species, like all the NOx that then uh, together with water will generate uh, some liquid film that can have a different acidity. And uh, this makes, uh, shows already how complicated yeah. uh, it will get. Uh, it depends a lot then on how your device, but also on how your process is define what you will really get. Yeah, this like sounds exactly like what we were running into <laughs> with the, there's so many mechanisms that uh, can both help the cell um, and help the biological target with uh, like killing cells, for example, or um, uh, activating immune responses. But then some of these in excess can be harmful, right? And so, but it's nice to see that you're considering all the different <laughs> things that could happen <laughs> and could affect. Yeah, basically there are so many ways how plasma can be used in industry. Yeah, so I was uh, just wondering if we can proceed to uh, several uh, business questions to the business section. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe you could uh, briefly describe for our listeners uh, what is the product portfolio of Relayon currently? What are you producing? What are the products? So we are uh, producing atmospheric plasma sources. And uh, since we are a member of the TDK group, of course, they have a huge portfolio of different materials and also uh, electronic components uh, uh, with really uh, the whole value chain in-house um, all over the world. And so we try to make use of that and to do sometimes really the design from different plasma sources from scratch. Uh, and our goal is of course to have 
demonstration appliances that mm. you like like our handheld device but the the goal is not to exactly duplicate this device into the medical field and sell that on the under a medical brand but it's rather to use the basic technology and components to be integrated in uh, third party uh, or uh, different brands and to use this know-how in producing this in high quality and um, uh, with the process know-how that we have beforehand so uh, to promote other companies to make use of that for their products and business ideas. Uh, so you, I, you also um, on, on the website there was also mentioned that you develop uh, uh, tailor-made solutions like uh, custom solutions. Um, can you ma maybe expand on, on that? Of course, the goal that we have business side is in the end to sell hardware. So, so we are a hardware company. Um, uh, to, nowadays or today, it's uh, uh, a pure component business uh, is uh, not really what the customer wants. So they want always an additive knowledge on systems, on uh, how the components interact and work. And uh, that's uh, where we start to work with our customers. And it can, can go so far that we arrange a workshop with our customers and we develop uh, joint business cases based on a portfolio of components or technologies that we have. Of course, it will be focused on plasma surface interaction and most of the time also on atmospheric cold plasma. So that's a little bit the focus that we have and where our expertise is. But uh, uh, we will not be the experts in the application field. And that's the interesting part of it, of developing the requirements and then to really optimize uh, the, the hardware uh, to these applications. And of course, the, the best case is always if you can already take something that you have in shelf. <laughs> uh, but right. it's yeah. not the typical case. Yeah, I, but from like a practical perspective, like if a client, let's say, you tailor make a solution for them, uh, like some piece of hardware and uh, they buy it, let's say, like it seems like it wouldn't require so much maintenance. And since it's an atmospheric plasma, it doesn't really require so much refueling. So like, how is that a plan on making money? Like if they just buy it once, then where is the, where it's a one-time customer? I, I think if you look at uh, the, the, the figures and the, the, the huge field of application that uh, is yeah, d discussed. There is so much business to be done with the pure sales of the hardware. We don't really see that problem at all. So uh, the market penetration using plasma solutions and uh, um, um, atmospheric uh, cold plasma solution in dentistry or medical field, the market penetration is still very, very low. And if it gets a little bit more common and you will find uh, this type of devices more frequently in a typical application in medical uh, and dent uh, dentistry, I think there's no problem. So it's not a, a, a problem about a market that is too small or will start to saturate so quickly. So it's yeah. not about designing a device that uh, needs a huge amount of consumables or will yeah. fail after a short time. I think uh, if you have a good device, even if it lasts long, 
there is there is enough business. Yeah, and I really appreciate that that that's what you strive for because I like this is more of just me <laughs> thinking what businesses are like, and I'm not the economics expert, so that's why I think I posed the question. But um, but I appreciate that that's what Reliant is looking for, uh, not so much products that need to be maintained, but uh, yeah. Also in the disinfection field, um, uh, uh, well. A bottle of alcohol costs nothing, but if you have to you rebuy it every day, uh, yeah. and that's experience in the hospitals, it might get really an economic uh, uh, issue uh, at mm. a given time. And I think there, uh, uh, I, I don't want to make greenwashing for plasma now, but uh, I think that's a, a basic idea that you have always to check if you have a consumable, can you replace it with a concept or process where you only use um, air and water yeah <laughs> like, like to say and, and, and that that can be helpful in many applications yeah. of course you need also uh, energy <laughs> yeah. yeah but it can I mean, be very efficient so it can be very yeah. efficient so you can generate in a very efficient way some very nice disinfection solution locally without needing any chemistry anymore and the logistic mm -hmm. behind yeah, but uh, you know, talking about markets, uh, Germany is a pretty big market for innovations in the engineering field as well. So, uh, yeah, how does um, being located in Germany for Reliant affect the research and marketability of its products? I I I think uh, that uh, the German engineer. Uh, and I'm happy about that. Uh, for me now, it's more like a myth. You know, it's uh, it's it's okay. It's a good image that we have. But I think nowadays you can find uh, really perfect engineers all over the world. And there's so much exchange now between young engineers and scientists so that I don't see that this is a huge advantage. Uh, I already see that uh, uh, it's it can be very attractive to work in Germany and it can be attractive to people to join us from everywhere in the world. Uh, but I think that uh, still it is a big advantage of working in Germany because we have such a good infrastructure here science-wise but also from our suppliers. So locally we have very strong companies that are used to work uh, for very high quality products and that are aware of this uh, quality and that helps us uh, quite often. So, so it's rather this, this uh, well-developed infrastructure that can be helpful. So we can source everything quite locally. Uh, that, that is uh, sometimes very helpful because then you can just go and have a meeting with some of the suppliers, solve the problem really there. Uh, that makes it uh, uh, nice to work here in Germany and it's a certain tailwind that we have from, from that structure, I think. Yeah, so ma made in Germany is not a brand anymore. <laughs> it's, it's sometimes helpful, but I think if you only want to rely on the good image, it's not a good <coughs> idea. You have to really prove that uh, yeah. you, you have a good idea and you can <coughs> supply a good quality. Yes, definitely. But um, what about uh, new target markets? What about internationalization? Um, I saw that Relion has uh, different versions of the website, like uh, one in Russian, one in Chinese. Uh, 
Um, so what, what are the target markets for Relion right now? We have, uh, of course, uh, quite a focus on uh, middle of Europe. That's where we come from. But some of our industrial partners are already multinational in automotive, packaging, others. So the appliances and the, the implementation of our system is already uh, worldwide. So I think that we have about of uh, almost half of our turnover is uh, international sales already. And uh, we have a very strong growth in the US in the last two years, very strong growth also in Asia, uh, except for China. China is a little bit a difficult market. Um, uh, we are present there, but it's a very difficult and highly regulated market and it's not so easy to make sustainable and good business there. We are now rather focusing in China and developing very good partners there because without having these partners there, <laughs> it's uh, uh, a tough thing of doing good business uh, in China. Uh, by partners, do you mean innovation scouts? As you, you, as you know, we are already present with uh, some uh, huge business uh, there in the electronic uh, components business with TDK. So we are with production sites. We are already in China, uh, but uh, uh, you have to be to enter into new business fields in China very carefully. And, and that's uh, important because uh, the price pressure is uh, huge and also uh, intellectual property things are, yeah, have a different uh, meaning there. And so you have to build up some trust before you start to work. Uh, could you maybe tell us more about the conceptual products of Relayon? Um, I saw on the website that you have this um, beauty plus thing and uh, Implop Prep. I, maybe I, I will I will try to focus on Implop Prep because it's mm -hmm. a more mature product and it's, uh, I think we have done more um, really scientific work on that. We are doing a, a, a whole level of uh, background studies uh, for this type of products. Uh, so we have build a small series of um, conceptual uh, prototypes to be tested in universities, uh, clinical environment, animal studies and with um, uh, dentists, implanting dentists. And the idea is uh, on how can we re-establish uh, the really clean surface state of a, a special titanium interface that has to be implanted into your bone. Uh, so we started first with the surface scientific uh, things that were my background when I did my PhD. It's like looking at uh, if you have an implant surface and it has already been uh, treated, it has been roughened, it has been etched, it should be very clean, although it is not always. It has to be sterile. And what can we still modify on that? So we saw that wetting properties and also cell adhesion properties like uh, osteoblast um, uh, coming to the surface uh, changes dramatically if you uh, have a plasma treatment on this type of titanium surface before uh, they are exposed to uh, cell containing liquids. We ask why can that be? Yeah, the wetting properties are diff different and so we started to do the analytics and we saw that 
even if the surface is really clean, when you, when you take it out of your package, it starts to absorb immediately. Mm -hmm. And even in a package, it will still absorb monolayers of contamination, carbon containing uh, films and organic materials will accumulate on the surface. And the idea was if we could change that chair side. So before you do your implantation, you would have you would need a very short process to remove these adsorbates to re-establish the state of the surface like it was designed and intended by the implant manufacturer to really have the only the titanium on the surface will that be helpful to the cells and we saw okay we don't change the surface topology so it stays rough because the plasma treatment is very mild mm. it's only a surface a treatment so the bulk of your implant is still stable so you don't have any micro fissures or, or um, so, so the thing is still like it was before we have reduced the carbon peak we see a little bit more titanium we see more oxygen and we see that the cell like the surface much more <laughs> so they start to grow on that surface faster and to adhere to the surface more stable so the advantage to the patient will be that with such an implant treatment, the period where your implant is instable will get shorter. And uh, we have been able to prove that also uh, using the animal model. And so, so this concept now is being developed with um, implant manufacturers to be a system that will be used by the implanting dentist chairs. Nice, yeah. and, and when you try to improve the adhesion of the titanium. I think, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can also um, like incorporate either the blood plasma of the person that's trying to uh, get the implant, or you, there's some way that you can also incorporate the biological components of the person that you're trying to include the implant with. We haven't done that so far, so that right. that is a, a, a really nice aspect. It's, it yeah. would be a concept, but uh, from the point of view of um, approval, this will get very, very difficult. So yeah. since uh, if we are talking about um, like um, uh, cleaning or bringing back the initial state of the surface of an implant at the highest a class one medical product, right? <laughs> if you start of adding biological or chemically active substances, you get pharmaceutical or biological, and then the risk analysis is a totally different one. And yeah, you you have to be aware uh, that this is sometimes very, very a long way of uh, yeah. really getting the product it's to the market. Not so practical, but like the, the cleaning aspect and getting it back to its original state sounds, yeah. Not easy, but like... <laughs> it's not easy, but uh, um, yeah, it's the first step. <laughs> yeah, cool, yeah. It's like really fantastic to go through um, the website. So I recommend to the listeners to check out the website from Relyon. Um, there's lots of nice pictures and, and uh, um, different descriptions of how the different devices are, using, are being used or can be used um, throughout all the fields. Um, but I don't think we have any more like business questions. Um, but I have a few um, kind of physics questions from my my perspective. Um, like, 
the, the physics of plasma is notoriously difficult to study um, as an undergraduate, I think. Like, maybe you felt this, the same, that there's not so many courses uh, available. Um, and is it difficult to find people who are interested in working in plasma physics? And do, do you think it should be taught more and more accessible to the university level? Honestly speaking, I'm, I'm not really a friend of, um, uh, like, generating more and more complex curriculum right. at the university. So I think uh, if you have the chance to really uh, have the time and uh, also a good environment to start really with the basics in physics, in chemistry or in engineering, with really the basics, the specialist view of things will start to, to change your life already early enough. But still, I think so, starting with the basics, engineering, mathematics, physics, that, the scientific background, a broad overview of the basic, I think is the best education that you can get. But then to show that things are more complicated than in the physics book, I think if you have already reached a certain level or also in projects, plasma is really a very nice thing where you can start also with some hardware that is not so complicated to to get the feel the, uh, the, the students uh, to develop a feeling how chemistry physics biology can interact to make nice experience and uh, to learn about this um, interdisciplinary approach but mm -hmm. I would not suggest to make it an early stage studies course so sure. much because I then think. it gets uh, either superficial <laughs> Yeah. Or it, 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 it gets too tough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the case of plasma, I think it's definitely it's sometimes true. Um, I think if I had some fusion course in my undergraduate, I would have understand absolutely nothing. Uh, but, <laughs> but learning the basics, yeah, I agree, because then it equips you with the ability to, when you have time or the ability to really jump into the topic, then you have the tools to be able to do so. Yeah, makes sense. And a kind of a fun question, like, do you have a favorite uh, physicist or scientist? Uh, that, that was really a question where, where uh, I, I had to look up something. I, I really had to admit uh, because I don't know, as a child, I, I liked uh, some comics. A friend of mine had them, uh, Donald Duck and Daniel Dösentrieb. I think, and I had to look it up, uh, it's uh, Mr. Gearloose. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I like this guy because he like had some unconventional uh, making of nice ideas. He was not thinking about the money like uh, do, uh, like, like Dagobert. Uh, the things were quite often crazy and did not work, but he was never demotivated. So I think that that is um, one of my favorite scientists, uh, although he doesn't exist in real life. And then uh, uh, really the person where I'm really grateful is my mother. She's a chemist hmm. and uh, she's very, very op open-minded and still is. She was really driving around uh, with me and my brother and uh, getting old televisions into our kitchen and we were disassembling them and making a lot of experiments with that stuff. 
So when my father came back home, he was not happy with that all the time. So he said, <laughs> when we, well, we get rid of all that uh, uh, strange things and dangerous things. And yeah, then my mother said, yeah, we have still to finish the experiments there. So it has to stay there for a while. So, so she was really like uh, interested and in supporting uh, all the time. And I learned a lot from that, although it was not a systematical learning, but I, I liked mm. this, this way of uh, experimental physics. And later in the Institute um, uh, in Berlin, I think I had really the chance uh, of working with Gerhard Ertel, who won the Nobel Prize uh, in 2007 in chemistry. I, I understand uh, why. <laughs> Uh, uh, and, 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 and still I'm very grateful because he was a guy, he was so clear and he was so brilliant in his ideas, but still had the ability uh, of keeping a, a kind of humor that was really great. His door was always open to uh, and, and still is very open to all uh, from the student to everybody. And he had uh, such a, a knowledge, enthusiasm, but also an authority that he, he, he really managed that a bunch of young people were able to have a good support in the lab and getting out really nice things. So yeah. of having yeah. a good result and, and he let them run quite loose, but still we were <laughs> always motivated and focused. And I, I did not, I don't know, I would like to know how he managed to do that, uh, but but he was really great, and it's uh, and he had a huge knowledge, and I think that was his authority. Uh, so this is a nice inspiration, like a fantastic, uh, <laughs> all, all nice answers from the real to not to non real. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think this is kind of all the questions we have in, in the interest of keeping the episode under an hour. Um, but yeah, like. Thank you so much for taking your time. Unless you have any questions for us, it was a great interview. For from your side, from the organization point of view, yeah, the most important thing about it. I hope I get the message to you. And uh, yeah, yes, sure. It was a really great opportunity for us and for our listeners as well to uh, dive a little bit deeper in this topic. Um, almost learn. Um, about plasma uh, at first hand. So, Stefan, um, we are so grateful for uh, having you here today and for uh, sharing with us your expert knowledge. So, thank you very much. And um, on this point, we would also like to express our thanks to uh, Dominique Adelhoch, who is a marketing and PR manager at Reliant Plasma GmbH, for uh, making it possible for us to record this episode of uh, Fusion and Plasma podcast. I hope our listeners and especially our followers enjoyed this interview and learned as much as we have learned. So stay ionized and till the next episode. <laughs>